<clears throat> okay, I think we're going to start. Do your vocal exercises. Yeah. Woo! Okay. <laughs> Theater kid jokes. Are, are we all um, doing this? No. That was, no. That was just for you, Jackson? Yeah, that's just for my own benefit. <laughs> all right, Christmas. <clears throat> I like um, it. He needs it. Okay, shh, we're starting. I respect your needs. Shh, everybody, shh. Hello, my name is Jackson McMurray. <laughs> and I'm Alan McMurray. And I'm Elon Hernandez. <laughs> oh, and this is No Nerds Allowed, isn't it? Ain't it just <laughs> like a skull? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, we have to... Okay. <laughs> you, go, you good with that one? Yeah, yeah, that's sure. The, Let's just keep going. Is that's that right. the one take you wanted? That's it now. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I wasn't told we were doing accents, so it's like, well, guess I have to do an accent <laughs> right now. Hey, man, you just go with it, I guess, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, you gotta go with the flow, keep them on your toes. Mm-hmm. If I yes, can be aggressive and transgressive with this podcast as I can, I'm gonna take the opportunity. Mm. Aggressive and unaggressive. If you were here, I would hit you straight up. <laughs> if you're like, yes, and me. <laughs> Man, when will we create <laughs> openly hostile improv? Mm. <laughs> so, but no so time Adeline to talk about I, movies because we just be fighting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's Fight Club, but it's a podcast. We would disagree. So and I, just fight the rest of the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Adeline and I have this comedy sketch idea where it's just this improv troupe where everyone hates each other and one person has a gun and none mm. of them know which one it is. It sounds kind of like real life, except without the gun, in my experience. Yeah. <laughs> like so everyone... it's just this group of people all, like, trying to do really bad improv s- sketches, and they all just hate each other. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I've never been to an improv class, but I'm pretty sure that's what it's like. I've been in one. I You have to, for my um, acting program, you have to take one, like, legit improv class. And then the, we, have oh. a, we have an improv group on campus. And I'm not in the group, but I was in the class, and I had a lot of friends who were on the team, and they would all tell stories about, you know, because, you know, on every improv team, there's the one guy who thinks he's, like, king shit, and, like, is given yeah. all the gifts, and it's like, I have the best ideas, and everything, and no, no, no. Everyone else and, is a normie. Yeah, there's all this secret, you know, resentment about who creatively is the best and everything. It's it's whatever. Lots <laughs> <laughs> of um, fighting. Do you want to introduce yourself, Elon? Um, sure. Hi, I'm, uh, for new listeners, I'm Elon Hernandez. Uh, I know these two fine people because I went to the same school as them, and we occasionally talk mm. about movies, um, previously, so when I, when I discovered their podcast, I was like, oh, this is so cool. And I think I texted <laughs> you, Jackson, I think I texted you one time after I'd listened to yeah. a couple episodes just to say how much I, I liked it, because uh, I like listening to movie podcasts. I listen to, like, two, like, about two or three in kind of rotation, like, from week to week. Um, and I've kind of been kicking around ideas of starting my own podcast because I have my own equipment and I I spend a lot of time um, at home and stuff. So, um, yeah, so I appreciate the opportunity to be here today with you guys to talk about one of my favorite movies. 
Yeah. Because why would you listen to other podcasts when you could <laughs> listen to us and not know what we're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> well, you could listen to our bad opinions. Yeah. Only one of us is old enough to drink. You should listen to us. <laughs> I think, wait, I think two of us. Which one I, is it? You decide. I just turned 21. I think there's two of us now. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, I did, yeah. Then that, April, that makes yeah. our opinion much, much more valid. Actually, yeah. you well, brought the, like, correct opinion quotient up, like, 33%. Wait, Jackson, have on. you been watching all of these movies drunk? <laughs> <laughs> has that been what Should this I podcast be? has been? I don't Should know. I have you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast. We'll do that next. <laughs> Can I tell you the absolute truth? Uh, ever since sure. I Please. have been old enough to drink and have been, like, at college, I've only really, like actually drank like three times okay yeah man you yeah. usually you only do it with like a group of people i would assume yeah well it's like i don't know that's the most I, fun it's almost always been with my roommates um yeah and they possible. always just like i never buy anything for myself so whenever they're hanging out they're like oh it's also only when they've had too much to drink already is when they start giving me their shit <laughs> and they're just trying to get rid of it as fast yeah, as possible exactly uh. I tried to buy something for myself the other day. I, I went to um, closing night at LC, and oh, yeah. I was with. You have um, to go to that drunk. No, I, I, here's the thing, man. I wasn't drunk. Here's the story. So I I go to support some people, and I went to get drinks yeah. with um two of my friends afterwards. We went to like the this diner downtown that's like open dumb late, and I tried to order something. And one of my friends had already ordered something. She'd gotten her drink, and I was kind of dilly-dallying. I was looking at the menu. And then I, I order, and I'm pulling out my ID, and the, the waitress literally says, oh, I'm sorry, we don't accept um, vertical IDs. And I was like, I was like, what? what? LOL, what? And I was like, well, <laughs> how else am I supposed to verify my age? She's like, well, I guess your passport. I was like, LOL, I don't have my passport, so I just didn't have a drink that night, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so Why straight up, accept- I like... Yeah, it's so dumb, because even if you're over 21, some places have a rule that you have to get a new ID that, like, is flipped so that they know it's 21. Literally, I got right. in trouble at a mod pizza in Seattle, because I tried to <laughs> buy a drink without a vertical ID. Oh, my God. Really? Interesting. Oh, I was going to say something. Yeah. I just thought it was, oh, I like... remember... Sorry, I'm ahead. not old enough to drink, and I haven't drink because I'm a good kid. But I remember I was <laughs> hanging out with Anna Jackson and all of Anna's friends because they were visiting, and they're all old enough to drink. And so we were hanging out, and it was getting day the night, and they were like, "Oh man, we want to go to a bar." So I was like, "Okay, I'll go home so you guys can hang out at a bar." But then right before like I left for you guys to go, I think everyone started talking about how much they didn't like drinking, and I was yeah, like. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why are you guys going to a bar if none of you enjoy alcohol? No, seriously, I was there for them actually going to that bar, and that just continued the whole night. Everybody got a drink, and I liked mine. I got got a Moscow Mule, which is Dad's favorite drink in the world. Um, And I was, like, drinking it, and I was really enjoying it, and they all got some, you know, other, like, mixed drinks, and they were all like, yeah, this is okay. I just, I don't know, I don't really like alcohol that much. I was like... Okay, guys. <laughs> like, Thank goodness we went to a bar. Yeah, glad you are enjoying yourselves. Jesus. <laughs> like, anyway, we'll have one of them on the podcast later so we can yep. roast them live. Probably all of them. Yeah, let's be all at once. Oh, man. <laughs> Could you do a movie podcast with more than three people at once? I don't know. I've listened to one with four. And that's that's kind of tough, but they're able to kind of bounce it around pretty pretty well. Right. Kind I don't know. I mean, yeah. The overtalk with three people gets pretty bad. 
as we will show you right now. Yeah. So, uh, Elin, do you want to... Wh- what movie did we watch today, Elin? So, yeah, literally today. I literally just finished watching yeah. it a couple minutes ago. Um, Me too. <laughs> I've seen it so many times, but I had to rewatch to take notes. So we watched the very first How to Train Your Dragon from DreamWorks Animation, directed by <laughs> Chris Sanders and Dean DeBlois. Uh Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, Elin, it's Dean DeBlois. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, like... <laughs> I think we can probably like kick around like how you pronounce it. I, I think that's correct, but I'm not sure. Is no, I'm French? sure what you said was right. That was yeah. <laughs> it could I mean, it could also be like Dean DeBlow or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> what voice? That's a... I I like DeBlow a little more. <laughs> it's pronounced Lacroix. <laughs> Lacroix. It's not Lacroix. Yeah, um, yeah, it's one of my favorite. It was one of my favorite movies, and then they kept making movies, and they made um, some TV shows. And, oh, um, they did. Yeah, they did. Because it's, it's DreamWorks, and they can't not do that with every <laughs> single film that they make. Yeah, yeah. They, you know what yeah, we should they, do next podcast episode? We should what? all watch and review the uh, Turbo Netflix original series. Oh, interesting. Um, no. <laughs> I have not even seen the movie, so I'd have to. Yeah, would you I rather do yes, Turbo or would you here. rather do Boss Baby? Those are your options. I could... I've seen Boss Baby. I could talk about Boss Baby. No, 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 no. no. You misunderstand. Oh, the TV show? The, the no, Netflix I'd rather Netflix original die. TV show. No, absolutely not. A Turbo sounds more interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I have it, no idea. Why? Hey, so the movie Turbo... Um, <laughs> Why? Okay, so the snail um, gets inside of a car engine and uh, turns into a little car snail. <laughs> I guess. Oh, why did we make this movie? Oh wait, did I thought all the I thought all the snails were little car snails. I saw a yeah, trailer a for friend. it. Yeah. Decided I hated it and then never saw it. <laughs> so okay, wait. If I do remember seeing the clip where Turbo does fall into a car and get superpowers. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. But all the it... other marketing <laughs> involves him, like, racing other snails. Yeah. So, like, if he's the super, if he's turbo, if he's the titular turbo... Oh, I, oh, then... you know what? <laughs> what? Because the plot is that he starts racing with, like, cars, right? And if is you it? don't let... Yeah. And if you don't let the little <laughs> snail car hybrid, part snail, part car, all boy, if you don't let him <laughs> race with the big cars, then you're the bad guy of the film. Are, are Do you understand how bonkers that is? That can't be right. That cannot be right. Hold on. Are we going to watch... Are you looking up the plot synopsis of Turbo? Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Turbo is a 2013 American computer animated sports comedy film. That's a word. <laughs> Um, Sports comedy, good stuff. Uh, let's see. Oh, come on. Okay. I'm, get, I'm literally only getting things about TurboTax. <laughs> is there it's because I'm on freaking Bing. Is there get out of be, here, um, Bing. Is there going to be some kind of Wreck-It Ralph tie-in or something <laughs> later on that we're going to find out with, with Turbo? Turbo? Yeah, with Turbo, yeah. <laughs> what? The guy from the first movie. Oh, because that's also the bad guy in Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, let's well, see. We, your very first episode. We reviewed... Yeah, we watched both of those movies, and I forgot I forgot about Turbo. Yeah. Okay, okay. Theo is a garden snail who dreams of being the greatest racer in the world, just like his hero, five-time Indy 500 winner Guy Gagne. <laughs> is that okay. a real person? Hold on. That is so interesting. 
Okay. Yeah, he does no, 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 have no, no, a no. whole okay. crew. Okay, okay. So, uh, he's not a real guy, but in the fiction of this movie, he's a human who is a race car driver. Yeah. So, like, what... Yeah, okay, the movie's about him trying to get into the Indy 500. Yeah, <laughs> and if you don't let the snail... Wait, hold on. He is sucked into the supercharger of a Chevrolet Camaro drag racer, fusing his DNA with nitrous oxide. When he wakes up, he possesses great speed and accuracy and some characteristics of a real car. Okay, first of all, he wakes up from that. When he yeah. wakes up. When. Not if, Unfortunately, when. his first attempt to show this power off ends with him crashing a tricycle into the garden. Gain himself and Chet fired from the garden crew. So they have jobs. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out why there are other snails that also have fins on the back of them and fucking turbines coming out of I their think, shells. I think it's like... Uh, it's like when one sports guy does drugs to get better at the sport <laughs> on accident, but then all of his friends also do the drug to be cool like him. Yeah, that classic scenario. <laughs> Why is Samuel L. Jackson in this movie? Who knows? Fucking Ryan Reynolds is in this movie. Snoop Dogg is in this movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hold on, is Ryan Reynolds Chet or whatever the main Paul one Giamatti. is? Paul Giamatti. Oh, Michael that's Pena. Why are there so many good people in this? Yeah, <laughs> it's a good group, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, speaking of fins... Speaking of back to reptiles, not whatever yeah. snails are. Let's get back to reptiles and how you train them. Listen, Jackson brought up Turbo. That was his fault. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to remember how we got into this tangent. Good stuff. <laughs> A lot of good DreamWorks tangents to be had, I suppose. Oh, God, yeah. Don't so, get me started. So anyway, yeah, the first How to Train Your Dragon. Um yeah, great, great movie. Um, I don't know what do we want to do. It. I know we usually go chronologically, but is there anything that we do like before we kind of go through our notes and stuff like that? Right. I mean, I mean, the first sort of sequence of things I have written down is basically that I'm just not super sold on the on the voiceover at the beginning and at the end. Okay. Because like everything they're showing you would pretty much give you the same information. And then they kind of give you the information a second time in the first, like, training session. That is true. Not, I mean, not to start off as a negative Nancy right I away, mean, <laughs> but that's just the first thing I have written down. Um, also, boop, CinemaSins button. They definitely <laughs> made fun of the opening narration. Yeah. yeah. The, um, oh, we're going to talk about CinemaSins for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. The uh, But yeah, I don't know. It's sort of... I mean, obviously, it's not like Suicide Squad in any other way. But I do, I do feel like they kind of introduce us to the characters twice. Oh, yeah. No, they definitely do. I, it, I, I'm fine with it only because they do bookend it with the narrations. Right. Mm -hmm. If they did it once and then never did it ever again, <laughs> then I'd be like, okay. But they... It, they at least planned it because it's also at the end. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. Good. I mean, it's almost like a stylistic choice more than it is like a storytelling one. Yeah, well, especially because it's based on a book that I've never read. Uh, oh, it feels right. a little bit. It doesn't feel weird to have an opening narration. Yeah, I wonder if those are the opening lines of the book. That would be cool. Then I'd get it. Hold on, I'm gonna. Good? 
Are you going to find up. an illegal PDF? Of- no, I'm trying to find the like free sample on Amazon. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I I wrote down Go to about. Costco. I wrote down the fact that they bookended it with a narration that they were it, right. They it, it establishes it brings in kind of the wit of Hiccup and then also kind of gives all this hyperbole to kind of establish something. And mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll we'll kind of I mean I won't jump to the end, but it just definitely establishes kind of a new stasis at the end, which I thought was kind of cool. Oh, right. Absolutely. It does also put the whole movie in Hiccup's perspective because he's telling the story basically so i think that's cool Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a good way to be like here's hiccup we're it's him it's the boy he's telling the story it's about him (laughs) yeah hold on sorry one second give me like a moment i gotta find out if there's a (laughs) bit in the book it's not really that interesting of a thing no it's not jackson (laughs) but I, i i can't find hold on I know the um the line there were dragons when i was a boy originated from the book it may or may not be the very first line of the very first book. I'm not sure. How to Train Your Dragon book free sample. <laughs> <laughs> Get some bread samples while you're there, too. Edu- how to t- book series. I There's no way. There's no way to know. Yep, yeah, uh-huh. I guess it's just a mystery that the world will never be thanks the wiser for, to. Thanks for doing that, Jack. Yeah, thanks for... Yeah, you're welcome for just, like, ruining a solid three minutes of audio <laughs> for everybody. Yeah. No, thanks for trying, yeah. We still kind yeah. of had a conversation about the <laughs> about the creation. I appreciate it. the effort is appreciated. Yeah, um, thank you, Elon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, oh, um, before we even get to the narration, though, I wrote down that the first thing we see is that toothless silhouette in the DreamWorks logo. That was kind of cool. You could even say, oh, is he like flying behind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind the moon, the moon boy. Right. I didn't notice that. Fishing. That's cool. Yeah, it's super. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> what I really love about this movie is that I remember we owned this on DVD. I couldn't find the DVD, but I remember watching this on the DVD and they had all the behind-the-scenes stuff, which I loved because I loved animation. But uh, they talk about the fire animation so much in the behind-the-scenes because I could mm. tell that's like what they like worked the hardest on. Yeah, they were like, absolutely. oh, we got to make this fire look good, and they freaking nail it. Like, yeah. Especially because the opening scene is the dragons attacking. Like, you kind of have to sell the movie on the animation, like, right then. Because that should be the coolest part of the movie. Right. So to have the fire just be super cool and super different is, like, they just nailed it. It's super successful. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting that you can kind of see their, like, resource allocation. Because, like, one of the things that, like, stood out to me was that the hair on all the people is a little bit weird in this. Yeah, it's like, very thick, very yeah. room-like. And, like, even compared to something like The Incredibles or, like, even Shrek, which is, like, way older. Like, I think oh, yeah. they didn't have quite as good as hair as those movies did. I but, am like, as still far blown as... away by the animation in the Shrek movies. They're like, so com- good. Like, compared to the stuff that was coming out at the same time as Shrek, we're going on a different DreamWorks movie tangent again, <laughs> right. but it's related this time. <laughs> Because, like, the Shrek movie, like, what was... It was, like, the only other animated movie at that time was, like, Toy Story, wasn't it? Yeah, computer-generated, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And, like, let's be real. The animation in Toy Story isn't the best. It's all very no. solid shapes. It only and then you works get to because Shrek. the characters are made of plastic. <laughs> I mean, but that's absolutely intentional. And then you get yeah. to Shrek, and you have, like, people with, like, fabric in their skirts and hair and grass and leaves, and it just gets crazy. Yeah, man. Mm. Yeah, I think but that yeah. that and this movie kind of nails uh, texture in a way that's pretty oh, cool totally. to look at. Yeah, right. 
Very immersive. No, yeah, and that's what I was saying. It's like right at the beginning, I was like, oh, the hair's a little off. Like, it seems like it, this movie came out in 2011. It seems like they should have gotten the hair down by now. I was like, ugh. You know, like, has, does this movie not age as well as I thought it did? But then, like, dragons started attacking, and I was like, oh, fuck. Mm. Like, <laughs> that's that's where the hair money went, was into the dragon attack. Inside of the dragon. The dragon <laughs> ate it. I think it came out in either, like, late 2009 or... It had to have come out in late 2009 because it was uh, up for Oscars in 2010. I'm pretty sure. Truth. I think. I could be wrong. Let's see. Let's see. Train. Everyone Google. Who can yeah. Google the fastest? Who can do it the fastest? 2010. Boom. <laughs> <clears throat> yep. There we go. Okay. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so, like, I don't know. Is that, sorry, is that the, a yeah, that's a confirmation, yeah. 2010. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting the way that this movie... It spends so much time, like, setting up this really explicit, like, set of rules for dragons. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I might be jumping forward a little bit. Do you guys have anything else particularly to note about, like, the opening sequence besides that it's really pretty? Um, what, what makes what makes me laugh about it is that you have this scene where you're introducing all the characters, and it's like, oh, my name's Hiccup, haha, <laughs> that's quirky. Oh, we give our kids weird names because we're Vikings, lol. But <laughs> so we're introducing all the other kids, and their names are all stupid stuff. And there's like, and then there's my favorite one. Her name's Astrid. It's but like. Astrid's just a regular that's, name. Yeah, that's do like her, a person's name. Yeah, do her parents say. hate her? <laughs> I have, and yeah, I, I always, no every time I'm watching any of these movies, I always flash back to that office bit where they're all like, Did you leave the kid Astrid? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they wanted to make that joke too, but instead they just gave her a regular name. <laughs> um, but yeah. The thing that I wrote about Astrid, I, I, there's a lot of my notes that kind of pertain to Astrid in this in this um but one something I wrote about the very first time we see her is with the flame it seems kind of derivative but I mean it shows very early on that she is very comfortable living close to the edge or next to you know in the midst of battle (laughs) and explosion and stuff like that and I thought that was cool and I think that's something that Hiccup is instantly attracted to because he wants to be that so bad right yeah um and uh, the only thing I had about the opening sequence was, like, just kind of establishing things. Like, I love the voice acting. I thought that first scene with Gobber and Hiccup in the shop is really great. And it, oh, it yeah. establishes yeah, yeah. such a great level of chemistry with the voice performances that I really appreciate. Um, and, yeah, yeah, all the... Co- I think that first that first time we see the, um, the plasma blast from um, Toothless... The Night Fury. Oh, yeah. That contra- the contrasts with the night sky and everything. That was so cool. So, yeah. so cool it, looking. It's that, like, blue-purple flame. Mm-hmm. Well, what's really cool about Toothless's animation is the sound design that comes with him, where you mm-hmm. have, like, that, like, rising note as he flies by, and then you have that burst of sound as he shoots that fireball. Like, it's really scary and really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. No, and one of the things that this movie does really well that uh, it actually, it reminds me, I just went to see the new Godzilla the other day. And uh, they have a similar idea where it's, like, all of the dragons have, like, their own really explicit, like, type of fire, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, the the big red one, the, uh, the nightmare, shoots, yeah. like, this, like, molten magma out of his mouth, and 
the blue one just shoots kind of regular flames, and the Night Fury has, like, that blue plasma bolt, you know? Yeah. They've almost got, like, their own unique, like, style of breathing fire for every individual type of dragon, which I think is really fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a How to Train Your Dragon, like, nuts, you could say, so I have all these random facts, <laughs> but, like, about the Monstrous Nightmare, so basically it has, like, this um, this flammable gel that it uses to... That's why it look, kind of... It takes on the, the personification of, like, magma when it, like... Right. When it's, like, out oh, and yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, like, in future movies when you see, like, um, like, little bits of gel that they have, it's Monstrous Nightmare gel that they get from those dragons so that they can use it in the field as well. It's kind of cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. That's dope. So, yeah, okay. And uh, speaking of the Monstrous Nightmare... They uh they introduce that at the beginning and the first thing they say about it is oh it has a nasty tendency of lighting itself on fire, which is awesome. But they never <laughs> really do that. Like um, if you're gonna say that at the beginning, that thing should always be on fire. <laughs> um, it lights itself on fire when Hiccup has to kill it. Uh, but then, but it, then it goes but out. But then it goes out and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. They already spent a lot of money on fire in this movie, so I kind of get it. But still, like you shouldn't you shouldn't set us up for it so explicitly because it's like, yeah. oh, this dragon's gonna be on fire a lot of the time. Is what they're telling yeah. me. It's like, well, hey, it's, check hey, out. I, just wait until it sets itself on fire, and then it like never really does. Well, I absolutely love the <clears throat> dragon design in this movie because it's so different than any other kind of like dragon characters that we've yeah. seen. Like. They're not medieval dragons, even a little bit, but they're also not, like, they're not, like, Chinese dragons or all these other iterations. Like, they're very original concepts for dragons. Mm-hmm. And they, it's a plot point, kind of, that they have that big book that has all these terrifying dragons in it and how scary they are and how horrible they are to humans and all that stuff. But then, in the movie, we really only get those, like, four kinds of dragons. Yeah, and then those are just, like, the dragons. And, like, there's that one dragon that's called, like, the timber cleaver or something, where, like, the timber tips jack, of its yeah. wings yeah. yeah, are so sharp that it, like, cuts the trees. Like, that's so cool! Where's that dragon? Yeah, no, I have written down in my notes, hey, don't fucking tease us with these dope dragons. <laughs> yeah, like, these cooler dragons. <laughs> yeah. No. I don't, yeah, I don't think throughout any of those movies, or even the TV show, you see... A timberjack. You see timberjacks in the second movie briefly in the beginning sequence, but you don't get to see them. Oh, really? I don't know if I remember any moments of them slicing through cheese. Um, sorry, what I was going to say, There's though... There's also... No, you go. Uh, sorry, I lost it. Go ahead. Okay. There's also in that scene where Hiccup's like looking through the book and researching dragons and scaring himself and whatever... But they also talk about one dragon that turns people inside out. Yes. And they just keep on going after that. <laughs> Don't take a second. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's so scary. This one blows really hard. This one uh, has, like, acid. This one spews hot water or whatever. And it's like, this one turns people inside out. Anyway, it's like, what? hold on a second. Just to clarify. What does that mean? Just to clarify, I, I think you meant, like, like... Like I like I don't know like blows wind I don't think you can say yeah. blows really yeah hard. which one blows really hard I don't know. <laughs> that sounds uh, a little yes this one sucks so much yeah it sounds a little a little too much uh, um, sorry what I was gonna say earlier though is that yeah you're right um, these concepts are really original and one of the reasons is that the creative team took a lot of inspiration from animals 
the different mm-hmm. types of animals. So like Toothless, the Night Fury is kind of like a mix of he's kind of dog and cat sort of like his. Um, right. He takes a lot of inspiration from like like uh, like big cats like a panther and stuff like that, which is really really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like uh, the the Deadly Natter, the blue dragon that Astrid rides, she kind of has a lot of parrot um, inspiration. Which right, is pretty a cool. Bird like. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, especially when you're coming to something like dragons, like dragons have such a huge history, like in modern storytelling, but also in like ancient storytelling. So to come with that with like something like pretty much completely new is really, really impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's still, uh, I don't know. I still think there should have been more different kinds of dragons in it. Like, there I know be, you, yeah. I know you gotta pay people to, like, make the dragons, but still, like... It's, yeah, <laughs> pay people to make the dragons. You're making three of these, you can <laughs> right. do it. Um, if you watch and, the TV okay. show, the TV show kind of expands on the mythology of different dragons, which is pretty cool. Right. Um, That's cool. Yeah, and then you might see a couple newer-looking ones throughout the three feature films that are pretty cool. The, I was going to say, I've seen the second one. I don't think I heard... Well, I know I haven't. I haven't had a chance to see the third one yet because I've been waiting to watch it with Anna. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's great, man. <laughs> it's it's a ride. It's a ride for sure. All right, noted. Um, well, going so, through the first part of this film, the first few opening scenes we're getting introduced to all the characters and stuff, I do feel like the weakest part of this movie is probably just, like, the base plot of... Yeah. Weird skinny kid who's really smart <laughs> isn't strong and dumb like us. We're gonna bully him, but then he's gonna be cool later. Like I feel like that's just every story that's ever been made a little bit. And they do yeah. expound upon it and they do some really cool things, but just like at the barest bare minimum, it's kind of like, okay, okay. Right. Well well that's the thing about this movie, is that like plot wise it's really nothing particularly special or interesting or unique, but what makes the movie so good and what made it, like, resonate so strongly with people was, like, how likable the characters and the voice acting performances are, mm-hmm. how cool the dragon designs are, and how mm-hmm. good the, like, aerial sequences feel. Oh, yeah. Like, and, you know, like, the action and the fire effects and stuff. It's, like, you know, it's almost like the plot is just, like, this bare-bones, like, coat hanger that they just, like, are draping all these other cool yeah. things that you Put want a really cool on top coat of. On. Yeah, exactly. This is dragon coat. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I would say that um, I actually I, I kind of have a different weakness that is kind of there through all three, but I would say that uh, you're not wrong because it's definitely something we've seen. You know, I, yeah. I the yeah. only thing I would really say about that is that I guess there has to be a way that we show that he's different from everyone else. You know, like he like he really is like yeah. a square peg trying to fit into a round hole or whatever, um, or whatever. Uh, so I, I I just I guess I, over time I've sort of, I've sort of become maybe a bit of an apologist for that, or I've sort of kind of it's sort of um, gone right over my head. Um, but I think actually I think that the, the the biggest weakness that I'm surprised wasn't more developed in the, in the two films after was the 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 the, the, the supporting characters. Like oh, right. yeah. those guys did not change very much. They did not become more dynamic <laughs> yeah, throughout. No. Yeah. And a note that I had later on, but it's fine. I, I can talk about it now. Is that what was really kind of disappointing for me? But I understand because it's not her story. Is that I wanted to learn more about Astrid. 
I thought she was so cool, and I think that she's such a, an important character to Hiccup specifically in how she challenges him. Uh, but like, think yeah. about think about this. These are two characters that end up falling in love and and so and so. But we never meet her parents. We have no idea who her family is. Like, right. yeah, she and falls out of the sky, exactly, and no one yeah. really freaks out. <laughs> And I don't know that it would have needed that much time to just establish that, hey, they exist. Because otherwise, like right. for me, who's been watching these movies and rewatching them for a long time, it makes me wonder, like, what's going on? Like, what what is this? And, I mean, that's natural for yeah. someone who watches something over time and starts to expand the details in their mind and build more of the world from the jumping off point of the film. But I think that would have been something interesting to see because I feel like the other the – other, and especially in the show, it's a weakness because – you basically have Hiccup and Astrid, who are kind of the two most competent, and then you have all these other people. Like at least Fishlegs is smart. Like he's kind of an encyclopedia when it comes to dragon stats and stuff like that. Uh, but he's kind yeah. of limited. Snotlow and the twins are both just so kind of like their fatal flaw is that they're just dumb. And I, I feel yeah, like they don't. Yeah, they're just very comic relief. I feel yeah, and I feel like they, I feel like they could have done a little bit more with that. They make it work in all three features, I think. To where it's not super distracting, but if you're someone who's really looking for for more out of that aspect, I think that's a bit of a letdown. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, yeah, I mean, totally. all the supporting characters are basically just, like, vehicles for famous character actors to <laughs> be goofy, you know? Sure. Yeah, I, I would I disagree would, with that. I was watching this movie, I was trying to figure out why I didn't like Astrid. Because Astrid should be my total jam, and I couldn't figure out why she just, like, wasn't clicking with me. And I think it's just because she's a little too basic as a character trope. Like, she just kind of goes into your face as strong female character. Like, she has acts, is strong, is independent, <laughs> and that's great. But then... She doesn't do anything, really, in the movie. Like, she gives Hiccup a pep talk, and she's there emotionally for Hiccup, and they have a cool relationship. But if you, like, point at stuff that she, like, actually does in the movie, she doesn't do anything. Like, we establish her as a super strong character, and then she doesn't do anything. Right, yeah. And it's, I don't know, to me it's more like the, um... I don't know, I like the, the sort of character arc that she has... I don't like that it's fixed, like, immediately when they go on the dragon ride. (laughs) It's as cool and beautiful as the dragon ride is. Yeah, but it's just like, you know, she's really angry, (laughs) like, at the start of it. (laughs) She, like, and it's, and you totally feel it with her. You're, like, almost there with her in those scenes because it's, like, she's been working her whole life and this kid is just, like blowing everything off and just doing things his own way. And it's, like, I earned this, I deserve it, and she wants to, like expose him and I think that's like a really deeply sort of relatable sentiment in a certain kind of way yeah. but then it's just like check it out we can fly and she's like oh wow will you be my boyfriend it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I feel I have a bit of a different perspective on this because I feel like uh, when you watch it a certain amount of times what I found was that I think that her one of her bigger purposes in the at least in this first chapter of the story is she's the first person you see hiccup change sort right. of like mm-hmm. like sort of like it's like that whole scene is like almost a group empathy session if you know what I mean 
Like, I, mm-hmm. I totally understand. It, it seems like a bit of an unreasonable turnaround to just flip from pure anger and resentment to, will you be my boyfriend? Or like, oh, this dragon <laughs> is amazing. And I totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that we had to see, but before we knew it was possible to see stoic change, we had to see someone kind of similar uh, change. And I think right. that, um, I don't know necessarily that it's entirely romantic. I know that seems hard to believe, but I feel like yeah. <laughs> initially it's she's she's drawn to him because he's like just he's real. He's not trying to be something he's not at that point because at that point he sort of embraced who he is a little more. And I think that she I wrote down that I think that she feels like he because when she is in that scene in the arena when she runs in to save him from uh, from Hookfang. Um, I, f- I was mm. thinking, what? why does she care? Like, what does she have to lose if Hiccup, if something catastrophic and devastating happens and a tragedy happens in this ring? And I thought, what does she have to lose? And I thought, she has to lose, like, the one person who she's probably made the most real connection with. I don't think she knows if it's quite romantic or anything yet, but I think that that forges a really meaningful connection between those two people who before before that had sort of just been trying to embrace their roles in the village and and their you know the way they're going to follow in their parents' footsteps you know but they didn't really I don't know that these people really get to know each other as as people at that young of an age mm-hmm. so I feel like that's right. kind of what's meaningful to her um, before anything ever really gets super romantic. You know what would be super cool? I would love just like. One scene where Hiccup's dad is like, man, Hiccup, I wish you could be more like Astrid. Like, I want a connection between Hiccup's dad and Astrid. I feel like that would be yeah. such a cool character mm. thing to do. Or like, Does that happen know, at all doesn't in the later really have movies? Any, Astrid um, doesn't really have any connections with anybody in this yeah. movie. She just kind of exists on her own. I mean, besides Hiccup, obviously. Yeah, she's kind of connected to Hiccup. She really, yeah, she doesn't, like, in the in the second movie, you know, he kind of... Have you seen? Have you wait? Who's seen the second movie? Jackson, you have. Yeah, I have not. You have not. So oh, there is really? there's something in the very beginning of the second movie that establishes like a, a very small inkling of a connection, but you never see, you never really see the two of them interact very much. Mm-hmm. But there is a uh, there is an an implied sense that Stoic is like this girl, huh? Oh yeah. That girl is a dynamite <laughs> gal, you know. Yep. You know, like like she like she's like she's great. She's on cool. Her own, yeah. But the fact that yeah. she's with my son is like awesome. You know. Right. Yeah. Like I approve. <laughs> okay, so I want to go back. This dragon blows super hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to go back. So just so we can kind of get back on our chronological. Yeah, track. we did. We did a lot of big themes there. We should just get yeah. little again. <laughs> um. There's a uh, so when we're getting into the like the um like the training sessions sort of mm-hmm. you know they're explaining all these like really specific rules it's like oh dragons only have a finite number of shots and you gotta get in their blind spot and loud noises affect them um it's like cool that sort of like builds the world in its own kind of way and it feels fun while it's happening but my problem is like in the final battle at the end. None of those things are relevant at all. (laughs) I see what you mean. It's like Like, they all just don't work. And they kind of threw... I noticed this time, they kind of threw it away. It was like, uh, he doesn't have a blind spot. What do we do? 
You right. know, like that was kind <laughs> He can of... shoot forever and he doesn't have a blind spot and loud noises don't bother him. Yeah, like, exactly. oh no. It's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, then why did we spend so much time with that earlier? Yeah, that's a bit, that's a bit tricky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. I don't really know how to defend that other than, like, yeah, crazy man. I, it just must be a whole different breed, I guess. <laughs> It must be a whole. That's different, crazy, it's dude. It's a whole different breed, I guess. That just is, you know, <laughs> yeah. outside of all those rules, or something. Yeah, it's queen bee. Um, really also, quickly. Also, um, oh, go ahead. Or sorry, really quickly. Do we want to go a little bit before that to the whole sequence before with him and the dragon in the woods? Yeah. Before uh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, that's like of, the most important. <laughs> like, uh, not the most important, but pretty, pretty major. Um, yeah. I love the fact that in that whole sequence when he's like making his way through the woods once his once his um his you know his wits are about him um i wrote down that the fact that you have like the score editing like pov camera movement and then like the vocal performance that sells like the the tone of that whole thing mm-hmm. i love that whole sequence i appreciated it more um and i yeah and i thought that the use of pov cam was surprisingly like solid like throughout this movie um, I love mm-hmm. when it's kind of almost, it looks basically kind of like a little bit like GoPro, like from his from his <laughs> right. perspective, um, and yeah, and it's so cool seeing that dragon like for the first time out in the open. Oh yeah, really really neat stuff. I still love that shot when he like first approaches Toothless and his Toothless's eye is closed in that shot, mm-hmm. and then we have the camera positioned closer to his face and his wing goes over his face and then yeah. he's staring right at Hiccup and it's yeah. such a cool shot. That is so cool, yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you know, and that's the thing. Like I was saying earlier, like the things that really really sell this movie are basically like a Toothless, you know, like the yeah. fact that he's so likable and the fact that he feels so real as an animal, you know? And, like, a lot of the times when you're doing, like, dragons and stuff in animation, like, in the real world... You get the magic dragon. Yeah, like, in the (laughs) real world, there's a reason there's nothing that flies that's bigger than, like, a big bird, you know? Like, it's because they have, like, weight and think like beings are really heavy so a lot of the times if you're trying to make like a dragon and it's like flying around it's hard to make that feel real that it's like actually flying by like the just flapping its wings you know but like they Mm -hmm. they play it so well in this and it feels so natural the way he's like crawling up the walls and like trying to get off the ground but he can't quite like it feels like a Mm -hmm. real thing moving in a real space yeah that is like really really tricky to pull off yeah, I think before I wrote down, I I think that before Hiccup ever even like, like you know like cuts the cuts him loose, like I it's so moving that moment where he kind of you know he he tries to like get into character basically and it's like all right I'm gonna cut out your heart and take it to my father and whatever and he raises the knife and then we see him see Toothless kind of like almost accept his fate, you know when he kind of like his head kind of hits the ground and he kind of just closes his eyes and waits for the inevitable. And this is before we ever even hear anything in previous movies about like, you know, whether or not there are other night furies or if he might be the last right. of his kind. This mm-hmm. is way before we, we like have any clue about any of that. But so in the moment, it's just, we're seeing someone, you know, kind of just mourning the fact that they're about to die, which is really kind of human in itself. And Very I think, intense. yeah, yeah, and I think I, that just seeing Hiccup decide not to do that, 
is the cornerstone of this franchise. It's it's the it's one and it's very palpable in the third one, I'll tell you, because it's just that one quick decision, that one moment of empathy that changes everything, that changes the course of both of their lives pretty much. Um, and I think it kind of extends to the possibility of what empathy can do for other people in their lives when they decide mm-hmm. to, I guess, which I thought was pretty cool. Honestly, I didn't really read uh, Toothless, like, closing his eye in that moment as, like, waiting for death. Like, the whole time in that scene when Toothless is just looking at him, I, I don't know, I don't see, like, fear in his eyes. To me, it just feels like a weird confidence. Interesting. He's like, I, I'm there not is a fucking dragon, what are you gonna do? <laughs> like, <laughs> there is a little bit of that in the beginning. I feel like when Hiccup first approaches, and you have that shot of him looking straight at Hiccup, there is a little bit of, like, that's, like, kind of dragon confidence. Like, I'm a yeah. dragon. If I was not bound up right now, I would kill you. But I I super agree with Elon, though. Like, that moment where he, like, closes his eyes and he has his hand over his heart, basically. It is very sad. Like, you could tell that he he knows humans. He's fought humans. He knows he's going to die. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I just like that scene better if Toothless is like, do it, pussy. <laughs> it's like, what are you gonna do? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, yeah. Anyway. Cause, cause then when he cuts, about empathy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because when he when he cuts him loose and then he just kind of gets up and you know shoves him against the rock and you know ends up sparing him. Like you understand that it's because like, I, you could be right, Jackson. Maybe at that point afterwards, after the fact, <laughs> he's like, you know what? If this pussy wasn't man enough to kill me. I'm not going to kill him. I like to think it's yeah. more of a, you know what, I don't have time for this, you know, a, a life for a life, see you later, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. But that's kind of interesting. It's interesting to know that you have a, a, a being who's not human, who we get a sense still has some kind of intuition emotionally to understand, I'm not going to kill him because he didn't kill me. I'm just going to move on right. with my life and try to get out of here, you know? They do such a good job of keeping Toothless as, like, an animal. And they do push it a little bit sometimes. They do get a little bit too cartoony with it. He definitely, like, understands English perfectly. Yeah, they do that with him. And for me, (laughs) there's that moment where he draws that picture of Hiccup. And I can let that moment slide because it's a beautiful moment and a really pretty and cool scene. And it's a very big moment in their relationship. So I can let it slide. That's a little bit crazy that this dragon just drew a picture. But... (laughs) Later, well, he right drew, before like, the Astrid. He, he, he saw the idea of drawing and thought, oh, that's cool, I'll try it. And then he drew, like, a like gibberish. Like a bunch of squiggly Oh, no, it's in the, the shape of Hiccup's face. It's a very bad Hiccup's face, but hold there's on, definitely, like, two eyes, a nose, and some hair. Oh, I, I gotta, never I gotta pull that. up a screenshot. I have yeah. never noticed that. That is so interesting. Yeah, that's what it takes... Because the first time I watched the movie, I was like, oh, huh, he just drew some squigglies. I like that. But then I really looked at it, and I was like, wait a minute, that's Hiccup's face. That's not... Yeah, <laughs> a dog I, couldn't wow, do that. I never read into that. That's so interesting. Yeah. Stick drawing. I don't know how to pull this up. Let's yeah, see. I don't know what your plan is. Stop God, these googling all, things. These are all coloring pages. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it definitely makes like a super rough face with like some eyes and a nose, and that's what really takes me out huh. of it. But okay, there's this there's a scene kind of like that too, where I feel like toothless toothless gets too human. Is when Astrid basically figures them out. It kind of exposes them. And he's like, oh, a girl, I'm glad she's leaving, bye. And it's like, okay, that's, <laughs> that's mm. a little too much. He, like, does, like, a little dance and, like, turns away mm. and, like, makes, like, a sound and stuff. And it's just, 
especially when this movie is so much about how these are three-dimensional, like, animals. Like, the point that they're animals is really, really important because it's, like, mm-hmm. every all evidence of poaching and hunting animals and stuff has come back to the, to the fact, like, oh, animals are dangerous. So this movie to be, like, they're not monsters, they're just animals, I think is a really cool yeah. thing to say. But then it's, like, herpeter, I'm toothless. <laughs> Look yeah, how yeah. cute I am. Like, they're so animals. animals. Yes. Um, I've, I've pulled up a picture of this drawing. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's not no, dog. Okay. <laughs> it's not dog. This person no, is like okay. drawn. I'm gonna drop this in the Discord chat. This yeah, person no, has, I will like, trace it. Drawn an outline of what they think it looks like, and it's just. Okay, do pull it, it up because I can draw on my computer and I will show you. This won't go in the podcast because it's not funny. No, but... it will. Hold on. I'll cut out me saving images and whatever, but. Okay, I have to draw on it too, but I'll show you the face. Save it to the desktop. Don't put it in my Muppets podcast folder. <laughs> what the fuck are you thinking? This is great audio, Jackson. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Let me show you. Let me show you. Wait, how do I see this? Okay, let me show you. Just look at Discord on the, like, sort of page with our chat in it. Okay, right, so I'm gonna... Oh, yeah, I'm looking Pink that. is me. I'm gonna draw it. So, it's like, this is this is an eye. This is not what I want. Sorry. This is an eye. This is an eye. This is a nose. And you have, like, the shape of the head and, like, the hair. It kind of looks like George Washington, but it's, like, absolutely a face. <laughs> I... No, let me... Okay, let me show you. Okay. I don't know. I guess it would probably be better with a clean screenshot. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I'm kind of seeing something, but like. Yeah, no, let me show you. No, 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 no. Let me show you. Let me show you. Let me show you. It feels like squigglies, though. I don't know. (laughs) Well, it's like. No, it's like. It's like the two eyes and the nose, and there's like the shape of the chin, and then there's some hair. What? Bro, what? It's very rough. It's not a good face, but it's absolutely a face. <laughs> it's a face. I don't know. I don't think it's a face. I it's have a face. No I'm going to watch the director commentary and see if they say whether it's a face or not. It's absolutely a face. I don't know, man. That's that's crazy. It's a, it's a face. It's a very rough face, but it's a face. It's not, oh, it's not a face. I don't know. It's a it's two eyes and a nose. It's he's still a dog or whatever, but like yeah. <laughs> he's still he's still uh you know he's still a a um hey what, what what word am I looking for? I can't omniscient lizard or something. I have no idea. Omniscient. <laughs> <laughs> a super intelligent. Okay, I'm gonna do a reverse image search see if I can't get a screen a clean screen. A blank screenshot. Uh. Yeah. It's two, okay, there's, like, absolutely two eyes and a nose right there. I guess while we're talking about this moment that this whole picture is from, um, yeah, I think that... you that can't see, dear I, listeners. I would say that, that, yeah, we can kind of almost vamp on topic while we're looking for these damn pictures. I think that this scene, this whole forbidden friendship uh, sequence, is the centerpiece of the movie. Um, and absolutely. I think that... There's there's another piece of music that might rival this, but I think that this this is just like the the pièce de résistance or whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> the 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 really great. And what I forgot to say at the very top was that I think that John Powell's score 
is really immersive right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. I love the music in that opening sequence. Love the music in this scene. Um, the journey that the music takes us on is really great. And I love that this scene... I actually... I brought this scene in for a class, an acting class, because they wanted us to bring in... <laughs> they wanted us to bring in clips and talk about them. And me being sort of like I don't know I guess maybe I thought I was doing it for variety because everyone else was bringing in live action but I bring in this animation oh, yeah. clip and we were able to have a good conversation about it but we kind of we had a good uh, takeaway which is that the whole thing is predicated on connection and nonverbal communication and mm. understanding how to perform yeah. in that Jackson, this is absolutely format. It's not a face. Understanding how to perform in that format and understanding those moments and what to do is really powerful. Is and awesome. seeing something like that, it's really cool to see like, you know, like real people do that, whether it's on a stage or um, in front of you on the screen. But to even watch something like that be brought to life um, through animation is something really, really interesting that I'm glad I got to experience. So yes, it's not a face. It's, it's absolutely a face. Let me freaking show you. I'm drawing it again because it's, it's so clearly a face. And like these are the eyes, and he's like, I he's I like, see what you're. Hi. I like I know what you're saying. Hi, but two hands. I think you are wrong. I think you're very wrong. I think it's just a okay, bunch of squigglies. Great. It's a, absolutely a face. Okay. Um. Okay. Okay. Here's 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 something else we should bring up. Uh, why does Toothless have retractable teeth? Cut it cool. Um, it seems practical. I guess. <laughs> um, it's just like it's not. It doesn't ever. It's never a, a, a point in the movie. Um, I don't even think they show him having retractable teeth. <laughs> yeah, I I guess. <laughs> Okay, for sure that is not that is not it's selling this anymore. That's not selling it anymore for me. I can't. I can't. You don't see the face. It's such a face. Well, I see the face now. Yeah. Through that, it's such but a like, face. I don't think I don't think he wears his hair like that. It's a no, very rough face. You don't. He's a dog drawing a picture. I don't think it's going to be accurate. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be anything at all, Adeline. He's a dog a drawing face. a picture. He's draw- okay, so Hiccup is sitting in the dirt, and he's drawing a picture of Toothless's face. And yes. Toothless is like, oh, I can do that. And he grabs a big stick, and he draws Hiccup's face. And it's bad, and it's squiggly, but he still draws his face. No, he doesn't. Should we? He yes, he does. Because he's should a dog. We, really quick, should we... Should we make sure that in post or whatever that we that we link these images in the description so that people no, can see what we're not. looking at? <laughs> yeah, never. Never? You could put them on the screen. It could, yeah. it could, yeah, start, a good, it could start a good conversation in the, it's okay. in the yeah. comment section. I don't know. It's absolutely know. a face. That first like person was trying to say it was just, like the profile of a head and a dragon next to it, which is no, that's stupid. more bullshit than yours. Uh, it's a, there's two eyes and a nose. Like, I that's absolutely... <laughs> okay. I don't know. Um, we, we gotta keep moving. We can't just yeah. talk about this forever. Um, so, yeah, John Powell's score is, is, a, is absolutely great in this. He does a lot of other movies. He does... Uh, Elon, have you ever listened to the score for the solo Star Wars movie? I did, yeah. I saw the movie. Liked it. Because... Liked the score. Yeah, that is maybe one of my favorite... It's definitely my favorite Star Wars score, because it's the first mm. one that's like... 
I don't know, just it slaps. <laughs> slaps. <laughs> <laughs> like Star Wars tra- soundtracks are always great as like pieces of you know d- scoring for a movie, but like I listen to the solo soundtrack like all the time because it just bangs so hard. It's so good. Yeah. I don't blame you, man. I, I have to go back and give it another listen. I don't know that I've listened to it on its own since I saw it. Yeah. But I thought his I thought his music was a great addition to that movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, um, oh, and also I just wanted this is way back in the training sequences again. But there's this moment where uh, he's giving out the books and he's like, "I want you guys to read this." And one of the kids is like, "We're gonna be reading." While we're still alive? <laughs> Which is, like, <laughs> the weirdest, funniest joke in the world. I don't know. That really got me. I thought that was really okay. funny. It's like, as opposed to being dead? <laughs> yeah, like you're planning yeah. to read when you when die. You die. <laughs> like you're going to go to heaven and you're just going to, like, read? Read? Yeah. That's when he's going to catch up on all his <laughs> summer reading. <laughs> right. I guess. You have all the time in the world then. Yeah. Um, okay, so they do this bit where they're, like, one at a time, like, introducing you to these dragons in these training sequences, which are super cool, and most of the time they serve other purposes, too, so it's not just existing on its own. But it's, yeah. like, they show you those little tiny dragons, like, mm. way near the end, and you haven't seen them at all previously. No. And they wait, pull wait, this wait, gag what do you, what where do you mean? You mean at the end when they're just chilling, and then they come along and they try to steal the fish? No, I just mean, because before that, there's just, like, a little bit in the training sequence. They're like, look at this. It's a little tiny dragon. Be careful. Right. And, like, and then it, well, it this hits is dangerous. one of the twins, right? Yeah, and it bites his nose. Yeah, And yeah, it's yeah. like, why, why are you saving this for later? Like, they're totally setting it up like they're doing a Monty Python bit where it's like, yeah. oh, it's going to be this little thing, but then it's going to freak out and be super dangerous, but they just don't. It's, like, literally just a tiny dragon that is... A, as powerful as a tiny dragon like that would seem. It's like, why so, are you, like, putting this off till so late in the movie, so late in these characters training? Like, I just, I don't understand the joke. Oh, well, I see what you mean. I guess I didn't mind it because I thought it fits. It fits into the montage of him, of Hiccup applying all these things he's learning with Toothless into the ring with other dragons. Yeah, the scene is fine. I have no problems with the scene. I'm saying that dragon should have flipped out and killed somebody. <laughs> That's what I'm really okay. trying to get at here. Jackson I'm... just wants this little dragon to jump out of some yeah. alien style. That's all he's saying. So you wanted that guy to die <laughs> when it jumped on his face, basically. Yeah, uh huh. I wanted him to straight up die. <laughs> well, that would have been that would have that would have stopped get, uh, brought the movie to a grinding halt. But you know, yeah, uh, what does he do? He do anything. We yeah, already talked about it. how he doesn't do anything. It would have given it some intrigue, yeah. <laughs> and he's voiced by a rapist, so like, yeah, um... I think that little guy should have just straight killed him. Yeah, I don't know. That was before. I, I don't know. At least before the allegations came out, I guess. Yeah. Um, the, I was, I was going to say something. I forgot what it was. Um, quick fact. He, oh, they, he, does not, he is not in the third movie. There's a different voice actor for TJ Miller in the third. Th- Sorry to name drop the guy if you didn't know who he was <laughs> no, before. Right. But, uh, oh, yeah. No, they do definitely imply that Toothless has killed, like, a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. Because there's, like, there's only one Night Fury, and anyone who's ever seen the Night Fury has not lived to even tell us what it looks <laughs> right. like. So... Yeah, for sure. Hey, Toothless. <laughs> or rather, I think his, his species has killed a lot of, of humans. Yeah. I don't know if... But I would agree. I would agree. He probably has killed a lot, of, a lot of humans. Yeah, he's definitely implied to be the only one in this movie. And I know that's, like, a theme later in the other films. But, like, in this movie especially, they're like, 
There's kind of only one. Yeah. Because you don't see any others throughout the whole film. So yeah. it's just kind of like, hey, Toothless, you were mad at me because we killed some of you. But, like, dude. Yeah. You got some baggage, too. Yeah. So, um. You got a body count. I'm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got we to gotta keep chugging along here. Um, around the time when, um. This is, I don't know if you guys have anything before this, but we're eating up minutes, so I'm saying, here's where we are now, we're at the flight with Astrid. Um, Say that yeah. one more time. Uh, we're at the flight with Astrid, that's where mm. we are. You might, okay. I don't know, we might have something to say from before that, but it's too late for that now, because we're, we're burning daylight here. Oh no, yeah, bro, let's go, let's go. Um, <laughs> there's this moment where they're flying, and it's like starting to be nighttime. The whole scene's like so wonderful and gorgeous, and it like feels so yeah. good when you're flying around. But there's this moment where uh, like they fly up into the night sky, and then Aurora Borealis just appears... <laughs> I think yeah. that's so funny. Like, that just cracked me up. <laughs> we just gotta hammer in how pretty it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Let's go. And it's not even Can like we... they cut to the next scene and Aurora Borealis is there. It, like, appears in, like, half a second. It just, like, shows up in the sky. <laughs> Can we get some shooting stars, please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah good stuff. But, yeah. I was gonna I mean, say... I want to talk... Or, go I ahead. Wanna... Go ahead, Adelaide. No, you go ahead, because I'm, I'm bringing the train back, so you keep going. Oh, I was going to go to, like, right after when they landed. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, when 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 she's like, so what are you going to do? And he's like, oh, I'll come up, give me until tomorrow. I'll come up with a plan. I wrote down, Jay Baruchel, your Canadian is showing. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> he, he says like, tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, a whole bunch of times mm-hmm. I noticed the only that. Really, yeah, there's only, it's the only time that I really caught the the Canadian thing. I just thought that was funny. Yeah, and well, yeah, that brings up another point: is that why does everybody have a Scottish accent except for the kids? That's true. I have no idea. I, that was one of the first things I wrote, and you know what I think? I think artistically, <laughs> they might say that they're trying to really draw the line between the old guard and like the new generation right. or something. But practically, it doesn't make sense. I can't really defend <laughs> right. it. Yeah. <laughs> because where they have, they don't have the frame of reference to learn that. Right. Unless yeah. it's like, unless it's a and, bit, unless it's an intentional. This is going to be really weird, and it's going to throw people off. But then they're going to accept it, and they're not going to ask. You questions think all the kids are in on it, and they're like, "We're going to fuck with our parents, and we're going to speak in this weird made-up accent." <laughs> yeah, we're just we're just going to mess around. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know. I don't really know on that one. <laughs> Screw you, Dad. I don't have an accent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. Um, I also I also wanted to note like if we make such a big deal about how. Night Furies are so rare and nobody's ever really seen one. How come every time Toothless shows up anywhere, everyone recognizes it as a Night Fury, like, on site? That's true. <laughs> like, well, because when he, like, shoots lightning, it's like, okay, they knew that's a Night Fury. But when he's just, like, around... Yeah, I was going recognize... say, I think Astrid recognizes him as a Night Fury, doesn't she? Um, I think she I does. I, I don't know that she name drops him, because when she yeah. shows up and she's like, get down... She doesn't necessarily say, Night Fury, get down. Um, But I think that everybody... There were at least a couple of times where people were like, oh my god, it's a Night Fury. It's like, there's not a drawing in the book. Like, how do you know? Yeah. (laughs) We have one book. Oh, you're right. And there's no drawing. Well, I think... The only people ever really say who recognize it are adults. And they probably have an an idea of what it looks like. They've probably seen the silhouette. And they know it's black as night and everything, so... Yeah. I guess maybe they're thinking, oh, it's a black dragon. I'm going to assume it's the worst, and I'm going to get out of the way. 
That's the only thing <laughs> yeah. I could say to justify yeah. that. I don't know. But I see yeah. what you mean. Let's see. Where are we at? Okay. So, uh... He's fighting the dragon. Right. So around this time, we could get to, like, them, like, going out to the dragon slayer and checking that out. Yeah? Oh, dude, that shot where the dad is standing in the tunnel that they've just yeah, broken man. open, and they set the fireball over his head, and mm-hmm. it's just complete darkness. Yeah. And then you just see, like, it just, like, go all the way down this tunnel with dragons just all over the place. It's, like, the coolest shot. It's so good. Yeah, no, that whole sequence, and even before, like, there's, like, four, like, really great, like, suspense gags in that scene where it's, like, they get on the boat and they, like, step on the beach and everything goes quiet. That's creepy mm. as fuck. They see yeah. all the dragons yeah. like that. That's crazy. And then when all the dragons, like, come out of the cave and just, like, fly away. Bounce. That's yeah. super creepy also. Like, there's so much in that movie that's, like, this is, like, about to get crazy. Yeah. And, uh, like, and then it does. Yeah, no, totally. It's, like, honestly, I think it's one of the best, like suspense building sequences in recent memory like it works like super super well I was really surprised at how creative like that sequence particularly is mm-hmm. and then yeah, the big dragons think... is super cool too and then the, the high mother queen dragon that big kaiju dragon god she's so cool <laughs> yeah I think her <laughs> official name is the red death I think the red death even Probably. though she's blue gray blue gray yeah Okay, she sure. shoots red. <laughs> um, she does, yeah. <laughs> literally, I just have in my notes, I just have written down the word kaiju. Kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I have a feeling Godzilla was probably on the brain when you wrote that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, still, I, to see that. I don't think we've ever discussed this on the podcast. Um, no, Jackson, shut the fuck no, up. No, okay, we need to ask Elon. Elon, what's w- up? Uh, would you consider the peach from James and the Giant Peach a kaiju? The peach? Yes. I've never really thought about it like that. Yeah, nobody has asked you to answer the thing. question. It's not a kaiju. Um, it doesn't have thoughts. It doesn't move. It's not a kaiju. Do. The but the birds aren't the peach. The, <laughs> the birds are the birds. Well, how did that peach get so big? What happened to it again? It got kissed by a princess or something. I don't remember James and the Giant so Peach. It was, like, it was like magic or something. His hatred of his aunts made the peach grow big. I don't remember. His kaiju-sized hatred of his aunts? You I'm could gonna say. kill you, Jackson. <laughs> well, I'm going to kill you dead. The I birds say... and the peach together form no. a unit which is a kaiju. Those <laughs> no. birds are a kaiju. No. The birds are a group of birds carrying a big peach. The peach is not a kaiju. It does not have sentient thought. It can't move. Also, your whole theory was that a kaiju has to take out a building. And the peach doesn't take out a building. It just sits on top of the Empire State Building. It gets stabbed by the Empire State Building. But if they wanted to take out the Empire State Building, they could have. You don't think that peach could have worked as a battery ram against the Empire State Building? The birds would have wanted to take it out at that point because the peach doesn't have yeah. any say so in that situation, right? Yeah, right? The peach is a fucking peach, Jackson. <laughs> it's purposes. not a kaiju. <laughs> For all I... intents and purposes, those birds are the kaiju. No, <laughs> and then a flock of seagulls is not a kaiju. They would it's be a flock if of they seagulls. had a giant wrecking ball attached to them. And they don't, though. They have a peach. I here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I think that you both make some great arguments, 
<laughs> I would say that at the moment, at the moment, you both have convinced me that the two of those things together, the peach ex- exclusively, I would not necessarily say is kaiju. I'd say it's some kind of, uh, I don't know, biological freak peach. or something. Um, it's, it's some kind of botanical freak. Um, but with the birds, I think you have an argument. That thing is kaiju. Yeah, I know no. I do. No, I think you, you have don't. an argument with the birds. Okay, if there's okay. no birds, if there's no birds to like give it mobility or ability in that instance, then it's not really. Thank you, Elin. It's not very kaiju like. No. Every time you see a flock of seagulls in a parking lot, middle. are you like, man, look at that kaiju? But no, those seagulls but don't I... have a peach with it. That's yeah. the thing. Okay, Adeline. They... We can all agree that it's, Mechagodzilla it's is a kaiju, yes? It's in the middle. Yes. Yeah. Mechagodzilla is piloted by a man. It doesn't have sentient thoughts or feelings Okay, but own. then we're arguing about how sentient are birds, and, the, and they're not really. They birds have are eat French as Godzilla and fly is. to land. I feel like we should wrap up uh, this last little bit of uh, Dragon <laughs> 1 and then come back to this. <laughs> okay. In a second. Um, if I could say I'll one kill quick you, thing, Jackson. if I could say one quick thing about uh, Astrid, actually, um, I had something yeah. about her from this thing. I may have already said it, but I thought that um, I thought that when she, gosh dang it, where did I write that? Uh, yeah, or I was also going to add when I was talking earlier about the stakes of her, like what she had to lose with Hiccup in the ring. This is a little bit before, mm-hmm. but she also, so I wrote down that she she is, she cares about the greater good, because you have to be when you're a soldier in this society, mm-hmm. but now she cares about someone other than herself, and then later in the battle, when Hiccup and Toothless save her, like, I thought, I wrote down that I felt like it was, it was sort of a, a show of respect and comradeship, but it's also an act of love, and I think that she definitely feels that. When it happens, mm-hmm. um, and I thought that that shot was really cool when they when they scoop down and put her on the ground, and then the camera like comes from behind and comes round on her face in a close up when she says like "go" or something like that. It was such a cool sequence. I love that. Yeah, it's very well shot, especially yeah. when they like first catch her and there's a shot of her dangling, and then like Toothless looks down and smiles at her. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell that there a relationship has been built. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she smiles back at him, and it's great. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, once they get there and they're, like, fighting the big blue dragon, which is called the red thing, whatever. The red dot, um, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the fire's red. That's still stupid, though. Whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. But that whole sequence, that, like, action set piece at the end is just, it's, it's so gorgeous. Like, when they're so cool. fighting in the air. And there's that bit where the red dragon. Just call it the queen dragon. The queen just. dragon just the flips out and death. starts like, red death. When the yeah, red yeah. death just flips <laughs> out and starts like spraying fire and like twisting around in the air, shooting fire everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so cool. It's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think our dad is famous for saying that How to Train Your Dragon is the only film that he's <laughs> yeah. not regretted seeing in 3D. So he was oh, yeah. like, that's the one movie I've seen where it's like they absolutely used that 3D effect to their advantage and made something really, really pretty. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, our dad says that every time we go to a movie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he he says, he just he just kind of recalls Out of Train Your Dragon and was like, man, that was yeah. such, a great, such a great experience in the theater. That's yeah, so cool. I guess so. Yeah. Because we always, always talk about, about the 3D ash. movies. Oh the, oh, the ash at the very end when they've... Yeah. 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 Like ground zero, yeah, that's crazy. 
Um, yeah, that was a cool transition too. I do you guys think that the Red Death's um, death or ending it, it, that it works when it basically explodes when it hits the ground? <laughs> I don't know. I, I literally I I literally wrote down really cool until the dragon explodes. <laughs> See, I wrote down it's such a cool idea, but I wrote down I think it works. Right, it's, because right before that, honestly, because they light like, the, they like, light the gas that's inside him, so he basically right. is yeah. like a bomb. So when he hits yeah. the ground, it kind of makes sense. But, maybe, but it's too much. It's the mushroom cloud. It looks like an action movie <laughs> sure, explosion. Sure. It's it like if the dragon is full of gas and you lit the gas, so it should be kind of like erupting. It just needed to erupt in like a more subtle way. Yeah, if the physical properties like, were a little more ironed out, you know, if there was more kind of yeah. like molten flesh around or something, maybe that would yeah. work. Here's okay. Here's the thing though. Imagine the alternative where we just get to see this horrible mangled corpse of a giant dragon who's just smashed head first into the earth in a PG uh, movie the entirety of that last Hell sequence. yes. What are you talking about? In I would love PG that. 13, or this PG rated children's movie. That would be interesting. What are you talking about? I would pay money to see that. Yeah, I would I would see that. But again, yeah. like, like the, the back of right its skull it... coming out of its anus, like the whole thing is like <laughs> crumpled into a pile of what horrible flesh. What about that flesh. shot right before it explodes, where it's falling to the ground and like its wings are like being burned off? Yeah, that's, that's pretty that's cool. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of eek. That's that's that hurts. Speaking of, yeah. there's this moment in the new Godzilla movie where Ghidorah like picks Godzilla up and like flies away into the air and drops him. And he, like, catches fire like a fucking meteor as he's falling down to the ground. What? It's, like, the coolest thing I've ever seen. That is really cool. <laughs> it's not really relevant, but it's just kind of like that, yeah. and it, like, it kicks ass. Yeah. Um, yeah. I anyway, to, Jackson liked Godzilla. I'm going to see if I can see that tomorrow, maybe. Yeah. I'd love to go I mean, see Okay, that, here's yeah. the thing about Godzilla, King of Monsters. All of the action stuff, like, all the big kaiju stuff is incredible. Every single sequence that involves two people talking to each other is so embarrassingly bad. It's like mm. I it's hard to understand almost. I think that's literally every single Godzilla movie. Yeah, maybe. Like even even the OG, I think that's just <laughs> right. what Godzilla movies yeah, are like. like. They clearly they put so much care into these giant action pieces and they're so gorgeous. And like every like I said earlier, every one of these monsters has like its own like color scheme. Like Godzilla mm. shoots these blue flames and Ghidorah has like lightning powers and shoots like lightning beams out of its mouth. They're like this bright yellow. Right. And yeah. they've got Mothra that like glows green and Rodan mm. has like wings that are always on fire, so they've all got these yeah. really distinct colors to them. And whenever they're fighting, it's just like it's so beautiful. And then they cut down to, like, Vera Farmiga and Jason Clark or whoever it was, like, down on the ground, and they're just like, but we can't... Oh, Kyle Chandler, I think? Kyle Chandler, yeah, I always get yeah. that mixed up. Yeah. Um, they're just like, but we can't fight the kaiju, what if we lose? And you're like, god damn it. Like, oh, man. Wow. <laughs> you had me, you had me so much, and then you're just like, god, like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the, the just dir- be a Godzilla movie. I know. Like, the direction of the actors was so bad. Oh, uh, anyway, too bad. sorry. The end. Anyway. Okay, how did you show your dragon? The dragon explodes. So, um. <laughs> we're a little bit mixed. It's a bit of a mixed bag, overall, 
for if that Honestly, works. Honestly, I didn't think about it when it happened. Like, it, that didn't even register as something weird to me when I was watching it. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> You're just like, this might as well happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just didn't works. even think about it. I was like, yeah, the dragon hits the ground and explodes. <laughs> yep, uh-huh. On, boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, going back and watching a lot of movies for this podcast, I've, like, been able to, like, collect parts of different movies that still, like, get me and make me tear up a little bit. Mm. And I was kind of surprised that I didn't get any of that in this movie, especially because there's some pretty sad parts. But the part where Hiccup first wakes up and puts both his legs over the bed mm-hmm. and realizes that he's missing a leg, that still gets me. That's heartbreaking. Right, yeah. It's still... I do kind of think that it's kind of weird that he loses a leg based on what we've seen. <laughs> like, he just kind of falls and gets caught and kind of goes through some fire. <laughs> I don't Shut know. up, Jackson. Okay, fine. I mean, uh, the, yeah. I love that he loses a leg. I think that's a great like narrative piece and there's not mm-hmm. a lot of like children's movies who will take like a like a permanent physical change in one of its characters going forward and it's a really gutsy move and I mm-hmm. like it for doing that mm-hmm. but <laughs> he just kind of falls up, and Jackson. gets caught yeah I don't know it would be if we had more context to like check the logic of like how he was positioned as he fell, right? To to kind of make sure that the leg is the most makes the most sense as for something to lose. But yeah. I mean, but again, I respect the choice as well because you know um, being able to go there and make sure that this you know that this kind of had a cost and that it meant something. Yeah, also, for I sure. think it really works for me. Yeah, and I also think that before that, um, when Stoic you know, says, thank you for saving my son. I wrote down, this is kind of obvious, but, you know, that's kind of, that's his arc. That's accepting dragons yeah. and, like, mending things with, with his son and everything. And I think I think the whole father-son journey in this movie is something very resonant and palpable that I, I hear a lot of people talk about. Um, mm-hmm. And I certainly, I'm certainly um, one of those people who really appreciates that. Yeah, as, as bare bones as the plot of this movie really is, like that father-son relationship is really what kind of gives the plot like a little bit more of like uh, more weight behind the plot is that father-son relationship that I think really mm-hmm. sells Hiccup as a character. Because if he was just a misfit, it would be whatever. But it's the fact that he's a misfit who has this father figure that he wants to be proud of him and wants to be like but at the same time doesn't want to basically make the same mistakes as him. I think it's such a really cool, compelling narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Hmm. All right, do you think we're about ready to wrap it up? Do we have any final thoughts on How to Train Your Dragon? Um, I would say that, yeah, again, the, um, the, the, the narration at the end kind of bookends with the, the fact that there's a new stasis and that, you know, dragons are here now and for a lot of those people, the dra- for the dragon riders, the dragons are kind of like their best friends in a way, which is really cool. Um, and I think that being able, that the fact that we were able to see the integration of dragons and humans in a society um, was really cool um, to see at the very end. I think that it's cool that we got really well-made sequels to this movie, but just, mm-hmm. you know, in the case that we didn't, it's great that we got to see sort of a vision of something greater that seemed like very slim at the very beginning, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Especially with DreamWorks and their history of sequels. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's cool that we got to see a vision of, you know, two 
communities coming together who don't understand each other and because of that they fear each other and they seek mm-hmm. violence against each other um, but really it just takes you know it takes you know two you know it takes hiccup and toothless to extend the olive branch and that kind of brings the two um, communities together um, and it's awesome that by the end you know I think that having hiccup lose his leg also kind of you know derivatively shows that him and toothless really complete each other you know because they can't fly without one another now now they're kind of connected you know for almost all time because they were there when each of them each of their lives changed from a from a devastating injury so i think that kind of seeing that relationship end the way it it does on that note with all these other people with these new relationships with their dragons and stuff like that is really really cool and i'm glad we got to see that and we didn't have that left we didn't have all of it left to the imagination we got a little piece of it to take with us and i thought that was really cool right yeah what if okay i mean okay here's here's, i'm just thinking i'm just thinking so this movie's basically romeo and juliet right um, a little bit, like platonic. Basically, basically platonic exactly the same. And Juliet. Here's this my hot take: They should have both died. They should have just both okay. died. Okay, Jackson. <laughs> I mean, okay. they can't. Well, when you see the third movie, you'll see why they couldn't both die. Or you know, you could watch this movie I would too. Love to, I'd love to know the reason why they couldn't just both die. <laughs> Well, because then you wouldn't get to the third movie, Jackson. Toothless and Hiccup should have both killed themselves. I will die on this hill. Nah. <laughs> Would have been a right. crazy way I'm to go. I'm loading the gun. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I Let's move on to our secondary things. I cool. am going to go to the bathroom real quick, though. Cool. Okay. Yeah. You guys enjoy yourselves. I'll be right back. Go Bockers. All right. I awesome. have to... I have to figure out what my secondary thing is. Awesome. Da-dum, 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 da-dum. Okay, I'm back. Did you guys say anything funny? What's up? No, no. we kind of... Oh, no, we kind of... <laughs> there was silence as I yeah. tried to figure out where I need to go for this. Yeah. We left a little bit of dead air, not too much. Our. <laughs> well, that's on you guys, because there's no editing in this <sighs> podcast. It's going up exactly as is. Oh, really? Yeah, because you don't oh, great. edit anything <laughs> no, it's ever. Not. Jackson... Okay, um, do, where are we? Okay, Adelaide, do you want to start with your secondary thing? <laughs> Me? Yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> Alright. Hello. Do it, My name pussy. is Adelaide. I have, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so my secondary thing for today, that's kind of old news, but I just started watching it, is uh, the Amazon TV series, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, so good. Yeah. Oh my god! So it's this story about this Jewish woman in the late 1950s. Well, late <laughs> 1950s, 1950s, early 1960s. I combined 50s and 60s into the 60s. That's great. When I anyway, said my weird steampunk dystopia, I'm gonna in the 60s. You said in 1962. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, Mrs. Maisel is this woman, her, well, Miriam, Miriam Midge Maisel, she's got the hardest name to say, uh, is this woman who is happily married to her husband, they have two children, she's had her whole life mapped out for her, she's this very headstrong woman, 
and then her husband wants to have a comedy career, and he totally bombs. He doesn't do it. And because of this, he ends up leaving her, and her whole life is just, like, totally destroyed in her lap, especially for being uh, Upper West Side, very well-off 1950s housewife. Her life is just totally destroyed because her husband leaves her. And so the story is basically how Miriam kind of comes into her own life and takes charge of her own life, and as she herself decides to go into comedy... And it's such a good show. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I mean, saying it in the 50s just automatically means that it's going to have an amazing and pretty aesthetic. Like, I think it won uh, quite a few awards a for its... Uh, Globes, well, a whole, whole bunch of Well, a whole bunch of awards. Yeah. But for costume design and set design specifically, I think. Because, oh man, the costumes in the show are so pretty and so in the time period and so colorful. Like, it's just so, it's such a beautiful show to look at. And it really, I am very proud of the show for how much it criticizes the 1950s for a show that's set in the 1950s. Right. Especially this kind of, like, lighthearted show. Like, I, of course not everything in the 1950s is like, man, the 1950s were great, but I feel like a lot of light stuff really is. Like, hey, look how great the 1950s were. But I, Marvelous Miss Maisel really kind of, like, puts in perspective, and it's like, man, this woman's life is is ruined because her husband divorced her and, like, really looks at all the really messed up gender roles of the time. It does such a good job of criticizing the 1950s while also kind of appreciating it. Like, it's just this really cool balance that I feel like they do really well. Have mm-hmm. you ever been so not funny that you destroy your wife's entire existence? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This guy has. Oh, yeah, I think that this show, Man. this show really, because I'm all caught up, I've been, I've watched the first two seasons, um, and... I'm on episode two of the second season, mm, so it's, don't Yeah, spoil. season two's great. Um, I think that hey, Tony if you, Shalhoub dies. If you, <laughs> no, he doesn't. If He's gonna you, die in real life. If you just finished, if anybody out there has finished Game of Thrones and you're looking for the next, what probably is the next like best thing on television, period. Like Miss Maisel is probably up there among the best it's of the so best. Good. Um, and don't. Oh, she's also Jewish. That's like a huge part of mm-hmm. it. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I that. think that. Yeah, it does such a great oh, job. Oh, did I say that? It does such a great job of exploring the the comedy landscape at the time and like social landscape and what different kinds of people are going through. You have a lot of other great characters other than you know Rachel Brosnahan's Mitch Maisel. You have Alex Borston who plays this great kind of manager um, to to Midge in her comedy career um, because she mm-hmm. she kind of and it's it's cool because you have you have um, Joel Maisel who's Midge's husband who also is kind of present. Um, and you see what he's struggling with. You have his family. You have Tony Chaloub as, you know, Midge Maisel's dad and her mom oh, and everything. Oh, the dad is such a cool character. Yeah, they're all such great characters. And season two really takes them for a ride, which is really, really neat. Um, and, yeah, so it's, it's just a great show. And it and it and um, it's not a true comedy in a sense. Like, it's so funny, but it also is so yeah. hard-hitting so many times. Um, yeah, I just think it's one of the best things on television. Um, really phenomenal writing and directing and camera work I think it's just some of those one takes that they have are just incredible it's it's insane mm-hmm. production design is off the charts so my what dad do you guys think really, oh go ahead Adelaide my dad really likes to watch these kind of documentaries about comedy hmm. and kind of it's they're actually really interesting where they're talking about like comedy like what is comedy the history of comedy like what has 
talking about like censorship and stuff like what what's going too far what's been too far in the past what's too not what's too far now what's the conversation going on about that kind of thing mm. and so it's really interesting and then to go to this show that's based so much further in the past than the 1950s and to have them having that conversation about censorship I think is really funny because like she gets arrested basically for just <laughs> swearing and saying stuff that she shouldn't be saying on a stage in the 1950s yeah. so I think it's just really funny that that conversation still gets continued so much even way back then yeah. What do you guys think the odds are that uh, on the in the series finale when the show's finally over that uh, Tony Shalhoub's wife gets killed in a car bomb and it's a stealth monk prequel? <laughs> that would be okay, uh, crazy. I want um, I want your odds. I want your odds. Uh, uh, low. Very low. I don't know how to do the whole like one to two or whatever that you do. Yeah, I don't know how to I do the math I on this. I can't do that. I, you know. Where do I, I put money it. on this? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Who right? do I talk to? It's like, if you do that, it's like Who minus, minus something to win $100, like minus 300 <laughs> You bet 300 yeah. to win $100. I don't know. I'm going to put $100 on this now, and it's such a long shot that when it happens, I'm going to be a millionaire. I just want you guys all to know. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, you want to talk about your secondary Wait, thing? real quick. On oh, the yeah. IMDb page that I'm on for this, it has, like, the tags so you can, like, find it and stuff, mm-hmm. which is fine. But one of them is just Judaism. <laughs> Judaism? <laughs> and it's like... That's cool. Yeah. Let's see, what are the tags? What could yeah, Judaism? I can't find them anymore. There's a lot of Yeah, stakes. no, tell me what the top Judaism movies are. <laughs> I don't know. There's I can't lot, yeah. find the tags anymore. There's a lot of stakes within the show that drives certain storylines related to Judaism. So when you're a Jew in this day and yeah. age, you know, if you're if you're having a, a certain religious figure over, that's a really big deal. So sometimes there are things that we're like, oh my goodness, they're coming over. What are we going to do? There are, obviously there's holidays and different decorum and stuff like that. So it's a great it's a great show. Watch it. Watch it. Amazon it's Prime. Really it's good. on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I clicked on the Judaism tag, and the first thing is Marvelous Miss Maisel, and then the second thing is Murder on the Orient Express. So. <laughs> How, Judaism. I'm trying to think, what other... A Serious Man? That's a Coen Brothers movie. Is A Serious Man on there? Uh, then you have Nymphomaniac, Volume 1, oh. uh, The Holy Mountain, oh. Exodus, Gods and Kings, that makes sense. Lenny, okay. Lord of War, The Prince of oh, Egypt, and then The okay. Ten Commandments. Okay, yeah. Fiddler yeah. on the Roof. Yeah. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's way too low on the list. It's number 10. Fiddler? <laughs> yeah, Fiddler. That's a great Jewish movie. <laughs> I like that the Ten Commandments from 1956 is on here, and it's number 9. Yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty good movie. Prince of anyway, Egypt is over that? God. Yeah, that number 8 is Prince of Egypt. Well, that's a great movie, too. Yeah. It is a very good what movie. What about A Serious anyway. Man, though? A Serious Man's a good movie, IMDb. Put it on your Judaism list. Well, that was like an IMDb. That was like an IMDb user who just like made a list, right? Oh, was it really? Truth. Maybe a lot of users make. No, their it own was lists. like the it was like the tag for Judaism. Oh, yeah. Really? Interesting. Well, yeah. they must do that for user ratings, you know. Sort by popularity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not quite the most objective list. They need to do a better job of that. Um, do we want to go to <laughs> my thing? Yes, please. Yeah. All right, cool. So. <laughs> I, I said we were going to talk about cinema sins, but not in the way you thought. So, my piece of media, since you, you guys talk about cinema sins every now and then in the show, um, so yeah. I'm bringing a YouTube channel. It's called Cinema Wins with a W, <laughs> my man. So it's a great channel. It's essentially, 
it's kind of the same formula. So if you enjoy watching CinemaSins on YouTube, if you're one of like the eight million people who subscribe to them, uh, yeah, join, one, join, one of them. Yeah, join the tribe. Uh, Cinema Wins right now is like 1.2 million subscribers, which is not bad, but you know, everybody can always use some more clicks, more more views. Um, and so if you want a little more of like a positive kind of outlook on movies, you know, because I here's the thing, I like Cinema Sins. I don't think the Cinema Sins is bad for film criticism. I think that they poke fun. And they also, they poke fun and they use satire in a very interesting way to discuss movies. Um, and I think Cinema Wins, this guy, this guy, this host who does it, it's just one guy, he does a really great job of, cool. um, of looking at the, the good things that movies do. Um, and it, it's the same thing, you know, he'll has a script, he has a little win counter and stuff like that. Um, he's done the original How to Train Your Dragon and How to Train Your Dragon 2. His most recent episode, I believe, from like three days ago is the first Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield, directed by Mark Webb. Um, so he's a really cool guy, and he, he has a really cool two-part video about Infinity War that is really dope, and that's really cool. Um, oh, man, so I love he'll, Infinity Yeah, so he'll, he'll count off the wins, and then he'll kind of have a little bit of a discussion at the end about his overall thoughts about the movie and stuff like that. Oh, that's kind And of it's really cool. cool. Um, and also, sorry to make it kind of a two-for-one, but if you also like positivity about movies and about <laughs> kind of giving a second look at movies that maybe people don't like for some reason, there was a great series on YouTube called Film Negative, and this guy basically looks at movies like... Um, He's looked at, like, Prometheus or, like, King... I don't know if he did King Kong, but he did some other things. Uh, the Hobbit movies. And he looks at, sort of, like, movies that have been set aside because for one reason or another and kind of challenges viewers to... His challenge is to look for things that maybe deserve a second look that are good and maybe a movie that isn't the best mm-hmm. overall. So, yeah, if you ever want a, a good watch on video essays on YouTube, look at Cinema Wins with a W and Film Negative. I'm looking at that Film Negative playlist right now, and the first episode appears to be about Iron Man 3, so it's our, I, it already has me. Because yeah. I am what Planet Earth's about? biggest Iron Man 3 apologist. Oh, yeah? Iron Man 3 is really good. Iron Man 3 is great. It's my third favorite Marvel movie, and everybody says it's I know it's I'm bad. your sister, oh, yeah. but like that movie's really good. Uh, yeah, have, it have both of you seen Endgame? Oh, yes. of course. Yeah, yeah. So Sorry, spoilers for Endgame, but we love you, Tony Stark. We love you, 3000. <laughs> yeah, spoilers for Endgame. It's really good. Yeah, it's really good. And we love you, 3000. Yeah. Okay, um, let's see. Well, They're was... on the internet, they know. Yeah. <laughs> I was going... No, it's okay, because the Russo brothers lifted the spoiler ban, so now it's legal. Exactly. You just say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, you won't get banned from Twitter. Exactly. <laughs> Is that true? God. Yeah, no, dude, people got, like, executed. <laughs> There's still Nazis there, but no but, <laughs> one that ever spoiled Endgame. Right. But people okay. had so little self-control about Game of Thrones. My goodness. So oh, many yeah. spoilers. Ugh. Oh, it's because everyone was furious yeah, everybody about hated it. it. Nobody yeah, but, like, literally, they would, it. like, they would, within hours of the episode, they would just be talking about it, and I'd have to avoid it and watch it. Yeah, it was annoying. I've never seen a frame of Game of Thrones. What about the it's... one where there's a Starbucks cup in it? <laughs> that I didn't. I did not notice what? that when I watched that episode for the first time. I didn't notice it. It was crazy. Did you but not hear about funny. that, Adeline? No, I didn't. What? Like the funny. second to last episode of Game of Thrones. There's a scene where there's straight up a Starbucks cup, like on a table. Yeah. It was <laughs> like episode, in canon. It was. I don't know. Like eight oh four. So episode four <laughs> of season eight. 
basically. Yeah. Basically the episode after the Battle of Winterfell. Um, there's oh, a Starbucks yeah. cup in the frame. I didn't notice it, but someone else did. We <laughs> talked about it. In the season finale, in the series finale, there was a water bottle behind somebody's chair. Oh, really? Come on, guys. It was, it was just so funny. Come That's on, so guys. Funny. Yeah. I mean, okay. Little... On that note, though, it's got to be so grueling to work on a TV show like that. I but it's your last season. Like you gotta. Do you know? No, do you guys you gotta do some stuff? Do you guys know that on episode eight oh three, the long night, on that one episode alone of just straight battle, they spent fifty five nights shooting that. God, oh, that's wow, that's insane. It's I was crazy. gonna say usually television has like a really accelerated schedule. But yeah. I guess yeah. Game of Thrones is big enough that they can basically just treat it like a movie, huh? No, I mean yeah, they spent two I mean, years. They took some... a year off to right. do yeah. season eight, and I, I, and I mean, we won't get into it, but I think that the biggest problem with season eight was didn't just not enough time. They could have used maybe an eight episode season as opposed to a six episode one, but that's neither here nor there. As someone who hasn't seen a frame of Game of Thrones, my biggest problem with it is that uh, the books. They're not. They haven't been. They're not done yet. <laughs> yeah. Where are they? I know. I know. Where they at, though? George R.R. Martin, we need those books. Hey, George. <laughs> Have you guys seen that, like, group interview with George R.R. Martin and Stephen King about, like, their writing processes? I don't think I have, Is no. it just them? Okay, Oh my god. <laughs> it's so funny. Literally, there's... I, mean, I haven't seen the whole thing, but there's just, like, basically this clip that's, like, Stephen King talking about, like treating writing like it's your full-time job because it is you know you have to sit down every day and make sure you're writing a certain amount of words a day you have to make sure that you're clearing out distractions and like making sure that you're working like it's like it's a nine-to-five job in order to to create because it's serious and it's important you know mm-hmm. um and then george r martin is like i um have a trampoline in my backyard <laughs> and i <laughs> <laughs> like okay, Stephen King also publishes a book a day. Yeah, exactly. So like, no, that's what makes and, it so funny. <laughs> and 90% of them are bad, so... <laughs> yeah, Stephen King is like the Beatles. The stuff that's famous is because it's really good. The stuff that's not famous is because it's not good. <laughs> okay, Um. so for my secondary thing, I was going to talk about a different thing. Do you guys want me to talk about Godzilla instead? <laughs> Um, you can talk whatever you want to talk what are the, about. What are the choices? It's up to you, man. But uh, You know what? I've already talked about Godzilla this episode. I'll do the regular thing. Okay. So uh, my bit today is uh, the Happy Death Day movies, both of them. Ooh. Um, oh, yeah, you really like the first one. Okay. I, well, I, I don't know. That's an inter- Saying I like them is an interesting statement. They're just surprisingly fun. The first one I saw in theaters when it came out, and it's this story about this girl who's, like, this sorority girl who gets murdered, but then she, like, wakes up. It's, like, Groundhog Day, except she gets murdered at the end of every day. Yeah. Um, So she has to, like, solve the mystery of who's been killing her and what she has to do in order to break the loop or whatever. Um, And these movies are hilarious to me because the first one came out in October of 2000. Uh, 17, and the second one came out in February of 2019. That's like a less than two year turnaround on these movies, <laughs> which is just insane. But like, both of them, the second one even slightly more so, I finally watched the second one a little while ago, um, are just, I don't know, they're just really tight, and there's nothing really exceptional about them, but they're just like, kind of creative and pulpy and fun, and like, both of them 
have been kind of equally good, and I'm just really surprised by how much I enjoy both of them. Um, it's... <laughs> I don't know. I, I like the second one a lot better, but part of that might be because I wasn't watching it in a movie theater and I could look at my phone <laughs> when it got boring. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I'm just I I want to recommend these movies to people because you know they're sort of like under the radar to a certain extent and like you know they're not anything groundbreaking but both of them like are a lot of fun and are totally worth seeing. I will say that the first one especially is not um, non-sexist, but <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's just I don't know it's just really male gazy and all the girls are really hot the whole time and that's like. I don't know. It's like a horror movie, pulpy kind of thing. So that's we already talked about that. Yeah. So that, that that's <laughs> part of it. But still, like it's they're they're really fun and they're a lot of fun to watch. They're nice and short and sweet and I I really think it's like worth anybody's time to check out one of if not both of those movies because I like them a lot. Yeah. Um, if I could throw one quick thing in here, I saw a yeah. long shot in the theater the other day. It was like on a Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Or no, it was like a Thursday at like 12.45 in the afternoon with two other people in the theater. It was so good. <laughs> like I've heard uh, so many good things about Longshot. I want to see it. Yeah, I would highly recommend it. Um, really quick, if you don't know what that is. It's in theaters right now. It's um, it's this comedy about uh, this uh, Secretary of State played by Charlize Theron. Her name is Charlotte Field. And she um, she's getting ready. To, she, they're, she's halfway through her president's term. And she figures out that he's not going to go for re-election. And she, so she starts to mount a presidential campaign. And she's looking at the optics with her team. And the lowest trait on her thing is, like, that she's not funny enough. Her humor isn't really high. So they say, find a, find a speechwriter who can kind of punch up your, your, your commentary and your speeches and make you more likable. And so she ends up having a chance encounter with someone from her past uh, this guy named Fred, played by um, Seth Rogen, who's a journalist who's really funny and a really good writer. And so they end up having a chance encounter in New York, and they end up li- linking up, and they end up working together. He ends up, She ends up bringing him in. And so it's this great kind of political satire uh, rom-com that's just, it's it's phenomenal, and it's so heartwarming. So recommend it very much. So do you guys want to hear a one-star review of How to Train Your Dragon? Oh, gosh. Yeah. So oh, I didn't screen cap the uh, I didn't screen cap the username. So uh, I guess you'll just you'll just have to go anonymous, anonymous for now. Um, but he says he gives it one star out of five, and he says very overrated, nowhere near being one of the best films ever produced. It's actually very <laughs> mediocre and overrated. <laughs> there are only three characters that you can even actually care for in the film. The rest can go and die. <laughs> the action is few. <clears throat> the action is few and far between and not very entertaining. The character designs are quite off as well. <clears throat> Overrated what? film indeed. Then he types out 5 out of 10 at the bottom. 5 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this film so much. Five out of ten. It's so bad. Five out of ten. Five out of ten. All right, my name's Jackson McMurray. My name's Adeline McMurray. Oh, I'm, I'm Elon. And this is No Nerds Allowed. Elon's Elon. also here. And No Nerds Allowed. They're not. Get out. <laughs> and I love how he says, 
There are only three characters that are actually <laughs> Like there aren't that many characters. That's most of the characters. Like <laughs> there's only three of them. If you like anyone that isn't those three, you're in trouble.